We, uh, if you've been around for any length of time, you know the last two weeks we've been in a series entitled Big Questions, and so we've done things a bit differently, and so we've got two sermons on the Sunday, so we're finishing at two today. Now you'll be happy to know that uh, it's a 15-minute sermon, so you can set your watch, and I'm going to try and do 15 minutes, and you can put your hand up if we get to 15 minutes, okay? Um, because I'm going to try and answer a massive question in 15 minutes, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask questions, um, and then we're going to do a brain break and a stretch, and then we've got Nazipo, who's going to be doing the second one and leading us into communion. Amen. Are you ready? Tighten your seatbelts. Let's go. So the question is, is the Old Testament law still relevant to us? Well, if you've read your Bible, you'll probably relate to this idea or this experience that there are large sections of the book of Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, there are large sections of those books that to the modern person and the modern believer can seem strange, they can even seem awkward to us as Christians. I mean, take Leviticus, for example. Did you know there's 76 commandments in Leviticus alone, and they all, almost all of them contain a penalty, some of them death. To, the, to, to, to those commandments. And so we don't have much time, but I want to just throw out a few that I've selected. And as we go through them, ask yourself this question. Does this still apply to me or to the person sitting next to me? Just elbow them. Does this apply to us today or doesn't it and why? Here we go. If you like steak, you're not allowed to eat fat, according to Leviticus 3.17. Or if you like seafood, Gary, if it doesn't have fins or scales, sorry, you can't eat that. Or if you're a mom, goo-goo, you mustn't go to church if your child is a boy for 33 days and if she's a girl for 66 days. Did you know that? You might know this one, don't have sex with your mother, your father's wife, or your animals. Actually, I'm not going to bore you with them, but there's 12 other specifically forbidden creepy situations about sex. So basically, just have sex with your husband or wife. Or how about if you are employing someone? Is this Old Testament and it's no longer applicable? This says, don't ever hold back the wages from your employees. Don't ever pervert justice. Don't ever slander. Does that sound like it's relevant or not relevant? Don't seek revenge and never bear a grudge. Never hold on to a grudge. Here's some good ones. Don't ever mix fabrics. Lungi, you look fabulous up here, but don't mix your fabrics. And if you're into farming or planting, do not plant two different seeds in one field. I nearly didn't shave this morning, but I thought I might be lost. Sometimes in multicultural, you can lose stuff. It says, do not trim your beard and do not cut your sideburns. Elvis, or how about this one? Don't get a tattoo. Or this one, which sounds like it is, don't go to witch doctors, mediums, or spiritualists. Okay, we understand that one, but the tattoo one, what do we do with that one? And how about this one? I'm already sinning. Do not stand in the presence of an elderly person. And do not treat foreigners badly, xenophobia. I think that one continues. And don't work on the Sabbath. Now, 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 that's just a few little ones. And can you hear from that list that it's quite a list? 
And actually, we could add to that list. We could add to that list if we read the other books. We could add so many commandments about sacrifices, about worship, about special days. We could add stuff about offerings. If you're battling with 10% as a tithe, just, just be happy that the Old Testament doesn't apply to you because it's 23% in the Old Testament. Some people say that tithing is Old Testament. Dude, if you want to go Old Testament, go to 23. And I haven't even mentioned the Ten Commandments. So, the problem is that we know there's some sense in us that some of these sound like they still apply. Some of them it feels like, man, that's just whacked, and I'm sure I can ignore that. But here's the problem. Picking and choosing is problematic. Would you agree? And so these laws, <coughs> they outline God's law for Israel, the Israelite people. And so to try and resolve the problem that I've posed above, what many Christians try to do is they try to say, well, there's different types of laws. And, and they normally categorize them into three types. And they say there's moral laws, and those moral laws are perpetual. Like you must never slander, and that's still today. You know, don't hold back wages, don't pervert justice, that's still today. That's a, a moral law. Those are perpetual. Then they'll say there's civil laws. Those were specific to Israel at that time, and so they don't apply to us today. And then there are ceremonial laws, all about worship and sacrifices, and Jesus has fulfilled those, and he's our perfect sacrifice. That's what people will normally do. Christians will normally try to understand that, and through that, they're trying to work out what can I take and what can I leave. Does that make sense? But there's a problem with doing it like that. And your problem is Jesus. Because Jesus didn't divide the law. But he treated the law as a whole. And he used the law as the foundation for his teaching. And if you know Jesus' teaching, he taught three commands. That those three commands sums up the whole law. They're the great commandment. Where one day someone said in Matthew 22, someone said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And then he said there's a second commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. So you should love God and you should love people. And then Jesus said this. And on these two commands, the moral law and the prophets hang. No, he didn't. He said, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus was saying, the whole Old Testament is summed up in what I've just said to you. And then to his disciples in John 13, Jesus gave them another command. And he said, this is my new commandment that I give you, that you are to love one another. He's now talking about it within the church. You are to love one another as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And so I want to say that although it, it can seemingly make it nice to break up the law into moral and civil and ceremonial because then I can pick and choose and I've got some method that's better than just choosing what you like. But it's not good because Jesus doesn't do that to the law. He says the whole law and the prophets hang on these three commandments I've just given you. And in fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 19. Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same 
they will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see, Jesus isn't, from Jesus to the Apostle Paul, he does exactly what Jesus does. When he teaches in his, in his letters, he teaches on the basis of the Old Testament commands. Uh, I just preached in Stellenbosch on parenting with Nadine, and Paul in Ephesians 6.2 quotes the fifth of the tenth commandment, and he, he doesn't say, you used to have to do this. He tells them to do it, and he just quotes it directly. It's still in force today for him. And to Timothy, Paul writes, all Scripture is breathed out. Say all. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And yet, Paul clearly teaches that if you are in Christ and you are saved, Galatians 5 says you are not under the law. Suddenly you should be feeling, oh, yes. Why? Because the law was like, a, like a, a guardian. It was like a babysitter that was meant to bring you to Jesus. But now that Jesus has come, we who've believed in Jesus through faith become the sons of God through faith, not through law keeping. And in fact, he says in both Galatians and Romans, it is clear that no one can be justified by keeping the law. And so Paul seems to teach from the law and then set us free from the law. And you might say, and that's why we asked you to answer the question. So I haven't helped you at all up to this point, have I? So the question is, is the Old Testament law applicable today? I'm going to give you four ways of responding to the law. And only one of them, I believe, is the right one. And I want to say that I want to honor um, or, or, or reference Andrew Wilson, a theologian. For, he's given these three categories. I've renamed them slightly, but they're from him. Firstly, they're those who believe that the law is above us. So they'll say that the law is from God, it's righteous, it's holy, and therefore everyone, whether you're saved, unsaved, doesn't matter who you are, you have to follow this law. And this is basically the approach of Hasidic Judaism and devout Islam. So that's why when Islam moves into a place, you're all doing this, because this is God's law. The problem with that approach is that you cannot keep the law. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you can't even keep one of them. Do not covet. You will not be able to keep that. And the Bible is so clear that righteousness doesn't come through law keeping. So that is not the way that Christians respond to the law. The second approach to the law is to see the law. But you often hear this preached in churches. That, you know, the law is all gone and it's bad. But actually... That's not the way Jesus talked about the law. And so people who teach like this will say we should reject its authority of our lives because we've got far better ethical standards today. This is the modern view, uh, secular, secularist view. The problem is on what authority are you rejecting God's law? So you're above the law there. So it's either above you or you're above it. Thirdly, there are those who believe that the law is behind us. So God's people used to be under the law, but now Jesus has come. And so now we're under grace. And so God used to expect people to follow his rules, but now he just loves us. There's a lot of churches that teach this. But what this fails to recognize is that God is the God who says, I do not change, Malachi 3.16. And God was a God of grace in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In fact, the law was grace. We just looked at that when we looked at marriage and divorce and remarriage. 
The law came after redemption. It came after God delivered them from Egypt. And the commandments and instructions in the New Testament by both Jesus and by Paul are underwritten by the commandments in the Old Testament. And so which ones still apply to us? And so that brings us to our fourth approach, which is my answer from Andrew Wilson, updated slightly. What's our approach to the law? Well, the law is within. So it's not above, it's not beneath, it's not behind. The law is within Christ followers, by the Spirit, and the law is good. So what we know is that Jesus fulfilled the law for us, Matthew 5, 17. And so now our acceptance, thanks Lungi for quoting that so perfectly, our acceptance by God is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is why you get accepted by God if you believe in Jesus. And then God gives us the helper, the Holy Spirit. Didn't you love those Get Connected uh, interviews? God saves us by grace, and then he fills us with the help of his Holy Spirit, which is exactly what Jesus, uh, what God promised to do through Jeremiah the prophet. I want to encourage you to look up Jeremiah 31, 33, and around there. It's just the most amazing passage. Do I have any time left? Two seconds. Let me just read it. It's so good. Someone said yes. This is what Jeremiah says. This is the covenant I will make in those days. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And I could carry on. God said there was a day coming and it was the day after Jesus that you wouldn't be above the law. It wouldn't be above you. It wouldn't be behind you. It would be inside of you. That God would write it on your heart by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so now, brothers and sisters, if you've believed in Jesus, if you obey the Holy Spirit, if you just listen to the Holy Spirit, you can be so relieved that you don't have to memorize the 76 commands of Leviticus because you just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And he will never lead you to sin, Galatians says. And he will lead you not just to fulfill the law, but to go way beyond what the law required. And so for the believer in Jesus now, Galatians 5, 16 to 25 says, we just have to keep in step with the Spirit and you will. So Lord, the law. So law keeping does not save us, but the law is good. In closing, three things why the law is good. The law showed us our desperate need of a savior. Have you ever seen the sign, don't walk on the grass or don't touch, and you just want to touch it? Okay? Law shows us. Have you always, stars installed a discovery device that now tracks her driving? Hey, star? <laughs> Have you always obeyed every law? Is that even your desire? The law showed us we need a savior. Secondly, the law restrained ungodliness. Like, like laws like do not murder are really helpful for a society. It's, where did it come? Where did the idea come from that murder is bad? From God's law. Where did the idea come from that you should be faithful to your husband or your wife? From God's law. And it produces, it reduces evil in society and it produces structure to restrain evil. And thirdly, and I love this part of the law. I believe the law reveals the heart of God. 
So when you reveal a law like, hey, employer, do not hold back the wages from your employee, that tells me that God cares about the employee and he will hold you accountable, boss or manager. And that he cares about justice. And so because we Christ followers, we care about justice. Does, does that make sense? So when you read the laws, you can say, what is this showing me about God? Why, why is this here? What? And okay, I don't get the shellfish one. Maybe you just didn't want them to get shellfish poisoning. But look for what does this tell you about God. So in closing, the Old Testament law is fulfilled for us in Jesus. Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice, as Prince read for us earlier. He fulfilled all the moral and civil requirements so that he could be our ceremonial substitutionary sacrifice. And therefore, our relationship with the law is now that it is fulfilled in our lives. It is written on our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, our helper, will help us to obey Jesus' great commandment, his second commandment, and his new commandment by his enabling power and grace. That's your relationship to the law. Amen.